Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor. I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. It's episode 55. And no, this is not Connor. He has uh, decided to leave the pod. No, just April Fool's. He's here. We got the whole gang here, and we are here to talk Mariners preview. The most exciting team maybe in the Seattle area as of right now. Probably. We've got, we've got Sam Except and Connor today. here. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm a little butt hurt that, you know, I've been on part of this podcast longer than you, and I've never got to bring us in. So I don't know what that's all about. You send us out every time, though, Sam. That is true, but nobody makes it two hours to my to my, to my <laughs> episode podcast. That's fair. Send out. <laughs> That's fair, and I never have meant to hog that that portion, guys. So we can we can trade that off whenever. I, I'm happy to take to a back. It's a lot of tonight. pressure to open. I just did it. I you know I didn't I forgot the words, but I tried no, to imitate you, you as job. best you did as great. possible. Oh, thank you, Justin. It's like two lines. You're good. Man. <laughs> You All you have this. to do is say, welcome back to the pod, folks, and then the episode number. Uh, I've gotten yeah. the episode number wrong before, so I've fucked up way more times than you have at this point. We are talking Mariners, You're one though, for right? one. Did I get yeah. that right? I got that. Okay. You got that You're right. batting 100, as they say. Ooh. Hmm. 100? Hmm. 1,000? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Hundred yeah, is, uh, you're I'm, like, I'm off the team if I'm batting. 100. Listen, folks, I'm you're talking like Jared Kelnick in June. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> what are you guys sipping on, Connor? What are you sipping on? Uh, I got my monkey shoulder tonight, so sticking true to the scotch, scotch train tonight. Uh, it's been it's been working for me lately, so why go why go elsewhere at this point? Very nice. I am typically in these episodes, I drink water and that's what we're no different tonight. You know, I've had two beers earlier today and you know, the wedding is coming up in four months. We got to watch the figure, right? I mean, we can't have beer belly (laughs) developing. And so we got to counteract the beer that I've already had with the water. Yes, Connor. Have you ever had a problem with your figure? You're like one of the skinniest dudes that I know. You know, the beer belly can erupt at any time. So you have to watch your figure. He's got to try to even picture honeymoon that. six pack. Oh, it's going to okay. be well, four, four if we're lucky. Well, that's four more than I can dream of. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, what are you sipping on tonight? I'm starting off with some Buffalo Trace. And mm. then depending on how this podcast goes, based on how it started, I probably will dip into the old faithful Jack Daniels here pretty soon. What made you do the Buffalo Trace tonight? Buffalo Trace is like whenever I want to mix it up from Jack Daniels, I go to Buffalo Trace. I really like it. That's your go-to company. They've been making whiskey longer than America's been a country, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And there's actually a cool Netflix series. It's called Heist, I believe. And there's two of the episodes are related to like the Buffalo Trace Heist. I didn't know that Buffalo Trace makes like Pappy Van Winkle, Eagle mm-hmm. Rare. Mm-hmm all of that stuff. So there's like a huge bourbon heist in Kentucky. It's a cool story. So if you're looking for like, I don't it's, it's really funny. It's like this cross between whiskey workers and a men's softball league that they take like softball way too serious. And they steal a <laughs> bunch of bourbon. It's actually really funny. So you should check it out. It's okay. Good, good watching. 
Not to be confused with Money Heist, right? The Spanish show syndicated in English. Yeah. Correct. Which I still have to watch, but I've heard it. Also a good show. I've not seen that. Yeah. Well, before we get into the Mariners here, we have some updates from T-Mobile Park. And so I know we're all excited to go to the ballpark and experience a game. I'm sure us three will do that some point in the summer before it gets busy for all three of us. But Sam, I know you were excited to mention the concessions that we have going on at T-Mobile Park. So what, what do we have going on? What are some of the changes you can outline here? So I'm a big fan of concessions at the ballpark, right? I mean, you've got your staple garlic fries, got to have those. Dippin' Dots have always been there. We're adding a couple of new flavors here. We've got Marination is coming to T-Mobile Park. And I'm going to count how many times in this episode I say Safeco Field. Don't get mad at me. But T-Mobile Park, it is. Marination is Hawaiian-Korean fusion dishes. You'll have Aloha Sliders, Kahlua Pork, Hawaiian-style roll. They've got a luau plate. Sounds really good, right up my alley. Definitely going to check that out. Then just poke is coming in, classic poke dishes that's in the area for a while, so everybody knows what that is. And then their sister fast casual chain, Pure Acai, is going to be in there for some acai bowls. Emphasis mm, on the nice. e, acai Good pronunciation, bowls. Yeah. yeah. And then well done, Sam. my personal favorite, fuck you chicken, is coming to Timo. I'm sorry. Park. What did you say? Oh, sorry. I don't think that's what it's called, Sam. Fuku chicken. Oh, there we go. Oh. And it's the fried chicken spinoff of world famous chef David Chang's Momofuku noodle bar. And so he, Momo fuck you. Uh yeah, Momo fuck you noodle bar is making some fried chicken. Fuck you fried chicken. I'm that's probably what I'm the most excited about. I hear the team's shaping up pretty good, but I'm there for the fried chicken. <laughs> you would have uh, Seattle. Oh yep. man, are we still doing the cricket grasshopper thing? I don't know. I think they, I mean, I think I they mean, are. Are we still eating bugs? I listen, I think I mean with fuck awesome. you chicken, are we still doing the grasshopper thing? Like uh, I can look. I think as of last year, they still had them. I know it was like a big thing when they first came out with them. I think that was what 2019. That sounds yeah. right. I think it was before, the before the pandemic, yeah, for right. sure. Maybe and before. I think they still yeah. had them last year. Yep, since 2017. One of the mm. best-selling concessions. Oh, wow. Best-selling. Yeah. We can't get them anywhere else. Toasted grasshoppers. Well, it's Check like if you're serving too. a pile of shit and you can't get it anywhere else, are we still? I don't know. That's an extreme example. <laughs> wow, yeah. man. You don't we like the there. you don't like the grasshoppers, huh? The grasshoppers aren't aren't that bad, honestly. It's the aftertaste for me. It just yeah. gets a little a little earthy. Earthy, yeah. That's a great yeah. word for it. Well, that's not the, I mean, thank you for the concession outline, Sam, but really that's not what most people are tuning in to this episode, maybe, you know, 10%, but we're getting in to the meat and the bones here of the episode. And that's the Mariners. Our, our, sorry to cut in here, but like our, our significant others, our wives and fiancés all, you know, listen to the podcast and that's like half of our listenership. So I think probably 50% care about the concessions to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're releasing this on a Monday, hopefully. And so hopefully that listenership is up. You bet. That's that's the hope. That's, that's the, hope. the hope. We're changing it up a little bit. Well, the Mariners saying, have, have been rebuilding for 21 years. And now this is the 21st year of the rebuild. And I think it might be time to compete Lord, for some playoff so. spots now. 
you know, we went through the ups and downs, obviously 2001, we had the 116 win record tying season, the subsequent two years, I believe we won 93 games and missed out on the playoffs both times. And after that, there's been a lot of downs and a couple minor ups, but a lot of downs into the spiraling hell that is Mariners fandom. But we're coming back up now. The roller coaster is coming back, and there's a lot of young talent and a lot of excitement to be had in this organization. And I know that purely because of Connor's text to us in the group chat. I mean, my God, this guy could not be more excited. Listen, if you think Connor liked Asa Turner on the UW football team, oh, let me tell it, you. Dude, you're going to curse <laughs> the Mariners again. You, Julio oh, don't do this. Is next level fanboy Connor. Don't do this to me, man. Every every day I wake up to a text from Connor, Julio Rodriguez, three hits, two RBIs, home run. One home run. <laughs> Next week. We cannot <laughs> afford Julio to flame out like Asa did. <laughs> and I refuse to believe that will happen. Knock on wood. Anyways, let's get, let's give Connor a moment to shine. So we've had a lot of roster turnover and we have some really big additions to this Mariner roster. So Connor, I'm going to turn it over to you. Who are some of the biggest that Mariners fans should keep an eye on? Yeah. You know, it was a pretty, it was an active off season, but it wasn't as active. I think as a lot of Mariners fans were hoping, you know, going into this year, like you were saying, Justin, there's a really good foundation for this team to start taking off as far as results go starting this year. And this was kind of the year that we, we thought that Jerry would start to go for it in the off season. And he did that in some spades. And I think he honestly did a pretty good job. Um, I think the, the one thing he wasn't going to do was I don't think he was going to overpay and uh, sign huge deals for free agents um, for many of the position players that were being overpaid, um, when, you know, they signed their contracts, like in hindsight, as, as, as they signed their contracts later in the off season, um, as far as the actual additions that we did make though, this off season, you have to start with a Cy Young winner from last year. Um, AL Cy Young winner, Robbie Ray immediately bolsters that rotation in a huge way. Your opening day starter this year already been announced, uh, opening day is on Thursday, which I guess we have failed to mention as, as of now, um, supposed to be Thursday. And that's not a slide on you at all, Justin, because it's supposed to be Thursday, but it might be Friday because there's some inclement weather over in Minnesota right now. By the way, um, why are we so, starting a season in Minnesota? That's a very seems like a valid question. Idea. Yeah, it's a very valid question. Are they not in the dome anymore? No, no, Target it's field, outdoors. outdoor field. Smart, real good planning, Minnesota. Beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful for two weeks in July. That's about it. <laughs> Sorry, Connor. I just cut you off. Continue. No, you're good. I cut off so many people in this in this in this podcast. You got to take over the role tonight. Uh, Robbie Ray, obviously, like the probably the uh, definitely the biggest addition uh, this offseason as far as free agent signings go. We also made a sneaky trade right before the lockout for second baseman infielder Adam Frazier. And that was a deal with the Padres. Um, I don't remember what we gave up for that, but I don't think it was too much. Adam Frazier was an all-star last year. Um, and uh, just like as professional of a hitter as you're going to have and really solidifies that that second base, second base position for us, um, a position that Abraham Toro kind of took over a little bit um, once we acquired him last year. Um, but I think this gives you a way more proven bat 
and an everyday starter in that in that position. And I think that was definitely, you know, a checked position that we had a hole in um, over the offseason. So good job to Jerry for filling that that hole. And that trade um, real quick, then, I pulled it up. It's yeah, we traded left hand left handed reliever Ryan Kerr and outfielder Corey Rogier. So that's yeah, why two guys that I haven't even right? both prospects. I've never heard yeah. of them. So um, I don't think they're either either of them were in our top 30 or anything like that. I'm somewhat familiar with most of the names in like the top 30 and neither of those guys were, were on my radar. Um, we did trade some, some prospects or at least a solid prospect to the reds after the deadline um, in a bigger trade for outfielder, Jesse Winker and uh, infielder. You God, I can never pronounce his name. Right. I think it's Eugenio. No, Eugenio? Yeah, I think I think I think you're right. I think it's Eugenio. They say it like so fast though. Whatever they say his first names. I mean that maybe that's because they're not trying to f it up. But it's like yeah, Eugenio Suarez, um, uh, third baseman, uh, shortstop. I guess he was playing a little bit for the Reds last year, but hit like 50 bombs, like close to 50 bombs, um, back in like 2018. I think. Um, I guess I can pull that up here. I think that's when it was. He hits. Uh, I have that here. In 2019, he hit 49. 49. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and then uh, two minor league deals for outfielders, uh, Steven Souza Jr. and Billy Hamilton. And those are kind of to fill out fourth outfielder roles, especially with Kyle Lewis still coming back from uh, a torn meniscus last year. Um, and he's not going to be on the um, active roster uh, for opening day, but he'll start the year on IL. It sounds like he's not really that far off, though. He was running bases and stuff as of a couple days ago. Um, but both those guys are battling out in spring training for that fourth outfielder role. Steven Souza Jr. is is one of the pride of uh, is a local guy. He's one of the few prides of Everett, Washington, where where I live. I think he went to Cascade. Um, so nice to have him back in town. A solid player for, I think, the Rays for a number of years. And then Billy Hamilton should be a familiar name to a lot of people. I think also played for the Reds, but he's played for a number of teams really, really fast um, and uh, can cover a lot of ground, especially in center field. Um, so those are the biggest ads of the offseason. Definitely some sexy names on there. Um, you'll re realize that obviously we didn't sign any of like the major sexy positional players like Trevor Story, Carlos Correa, Chris Bryant. I think those were the the names that a lot of fans were wanting the Mariners to go after and be aggressive in pursuing. Um, but I think that that Reds trade for both Winker and, and Suarez was a sneaky deal. And the guy that we gave up, I guess I failed to mention that, well, the big guy that we gave up was Williamson. Uh, Brandon Williamson in that trade, really good, talented young uh, pitcher in our in our organization. Um, but we have a, quite a few of those, so you had to probably give up one to get some talent. And um, both those guys are going to fill, you know, starter positions for you from opening day. Uh, Winker will probably be, either be your DH or left fielder opening day, and then Suarez will be your everyday first or third baseman. Um, so. Honestly, a pretty good, pretty good offseason, I think, and definitely an offseason that um, helps this team and improves this team 
towards their goals in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think, Connor, correct me if I'm wrong, but going into this offseason, we had the second highest rated farm system in the league. Yeah, we were first, I think, at least like, I don't know, that, that was like late last year. I okay, think we got so ranked first. first or second then. Yeah. Yeah. Talk and I think you. it was like a matter of like one of the like one of the Orioles dudes being considered not a prospect anymore or whatever and like one of their top dudes. And so then our ranking went up because their their player wasn't considered a prospect anymore, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Yes, that makes sense. But, you know, that's a difference for Mariners fans because growing up, oh, yeah. we, we've had a shitty farm system for, it seems like, years where it's just terrible and we, we suck and we still have a farm system, don't have a farm system. So it's a cycle. So it's nice yeah. that we have assets and then we can trade those for players that can start day one in this season. It's part Sam, of it. Yep. Connor mentioned about how we didn't get the, you know, the splashy players like a Trevor Story or Chris Bryant or Carlos Correa. Oh, you know, Correa. Yeah. Um, do you think the Mariners did enough here to compete or would you have liked to see one of those players come onto this roster and compete for a starting job? I mean, I think to answer your question directly, I think the Mariners have done enough. I mean, we're coming off of a 90 win season, although definitely overachieved last year and won a lot of close games, got blown out. I know we were talking about that off mic prepping for, for this episode. So I think if you can capture some of that same you know, mentality of winning those close games and you add a couple of these pieces that Connor mentioned, whether, I mean, anytime you can add a Cy Young winner, I feel like that just hasn't gotten the credit it deserves. I mean, Reigning Robbie, Cy Young. Winner. Yeah. Yeah. Let alone from last year, he's in peak form right, right now. So adding Robbie Ray is super exciting to this rotation and, you know, I just don't think that that's getting the credit it deserves. Um, so you, know, you talk about big name signings, like in my opinion, he's one of the best pitchers in the MLB, not yeah. in my opinion, in everybody's opinion. So <laughs> I think that is a huge name signing while he might not be like the household name, his, his playing and his stats tell you otherwise. So I think, they've definitely done enough. You added some bats there as well with Winker and Suarez. Um, and I'm torn, you know, I think about someone like story or Correa or Bryant. I don't know that signing someone like that is necessarily like required in this off season to, to get the team over the hump. The one thing that I would have been excited about more than anything was it would be an indicator that, the Mariners are willing to spend money. And like, that's just, you, know, you yeah. talked about it off the top, Justin, as a Mariners fan, that's been one of the most frustrating things that they operate more like a business and they're very, you know, concerned about bottom line and all that. Mm -hmm. and they're not willing to make the same dollar investments in their players and their roster that other top franchises will or have been and will continue to do so. So in some ways, if I'm thinking about those big name, household name, huge contract signings, for me personally, it might've been even just less what that means in terms of on the field production, but more about the mentality of our front office that we're willing to like put our money where our mouth is and go chase a world series. Or at this point, God damn it, a playoff berth would be good. Um, 
so in that sense, like I, I can relate to Mariners fans that are a little bit underwhelmed that we didn't like totally open the checkbook and go get some high high flying player. But we've also seen that come around to hurt us in the end too. Like Robbie Cano, $240 million deal for 10 years. Like that did not, that did not pan out for us very well. So sure. for me personally, I, I think we've done enough. I think we've really played that fine line well in terms of adding to the roster without to Connor's earlier point overpaying for players at the same time so I'm pretty pleased with the additions that we made and I don't think that we're you know overbuying anyone that we added yeah no doubt and so I just saw this stat by the way I wanted to share I know that we're frustrated with the Mariners not spending money but you know, a team that has utilized the money ball and they're famous for it and have made the playoffs more times than the Mariners have in 20 years is the Oakland Athletics. <laughs> mm-hmm. And their payroll in 1991 was $33 million. And that was the highest in Major mm-hmm. League Baseball at the time. This year, it is one of the lowest, if not the lowest, it has to be. It's got to it be 30, the lowest. And it's $33 million. And so yeah. no inflation. I mean, come on. Oakland yeah. A's are $33 million again this year this year yeah holy that's so low. smokes that's, that's crazy so low. low and they're still in that toilet bowl of a like, stadium too we're frustrated we're frustrated with the mariners not spending a hundred million right yeah. let's put it in right? perspective a little bit um i i do want to just build off of off of some of sam's points there and i mean it i think the biggest the biggest thing that you're you're looking at with mariners fans is that they were frustrated um with and and going for it in free agency especially from an offensive perspective like this you're talking about an offense that was basically dead last in most categories last year mm-hmm. not dead last but like one of the worst offenses in baseball they were dead last in average they were 28th in on base percentage they were 27th in ops 22nd in runs like i mean this was not a good offense that last year it was a very inconsistent offense and jerry's betting on a lot of these guys developing this year and starting to play key roles you know some of these young foundational pieces playing key roles on this team and it's not a it's not a bad bet i don't i I mean i think that i believe in some of these these young talents that they are going to start to flourish and start to show some results this year but i understand mariners fans being frustrated that they definitely have the money from the ownership and from 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 their payroll budget to go and get a Trevor story or a Carlos Correa um, or a Chris Bryant, you know, and add an, an impact bat to that, to that infield, especially with the loss of Kyle Seager, you had a huge opening at third base. Um, and the one thing that kind of early on in free agency, Jerry DePoto stated was that JP Crawford was our shortstop. I don't have a problem with that because I think JP is a vocal leader on this team. I think he's a, excellent defensive shortstop. I think he's an average hitter, but he's still good enough um, from that shortstop position. But if you look at and hear the names that I just listed in free agency, all those guys are, you know, left side of the infield, third base shortstops. And by saying that JP Crawford was your shortstop going into this year, I think you definitely turned the attention of some of those free agencies, free agents away from the Mariners and definitely detracted from your chances at landing some of those top prize free agents. Um, so if, if you are going to like critique 
this offseason and and Jerry's approach to this offseason. I think that was a little bit of a mistake. Even if you're going into this season, like JP is our shortstop, you don't just blatantly say that, I don't think, to the media, because obviously that's going to get back to the free agents that are wanting to sign places. And if they want to play shortstop like Carlos Correa, um, you know, that limits your chances at being able to land some of those top guys. So I hope he kind of keeps it a little bit more closer to the vest. Jerry seems to be a pretty open guy when it comes to, you know, what he's looking for and, and in free agency and, and trades and positions he's looking to fill. Um, and there's there, I mean, there's, there's an attractive part of that from a fan perspective because you know exactly what the team's trying to do, but at the same time it disadvantages you because um, you're kind of giving your, your strategy away to others. And, and obviously um, means that free agents know if you're not looking for that type of player to fill a role on your team. So that's all I'll add. No, no doubt. But you mentioned Kyle Seeger there, and I've realized the listeners that are casual Mariners fans might not know that Kyle Seeger <laughs> was gone or that who mm-hmm. else departed from the team. So I'm just going to run down that quick, uh, yeah, run down those players. Do. So Kyle Seeger retired. Um, there was a lot of that we knew going into last season or, you know, at least through the middle of last season, he was leaving the team, but didn't realize he would retire. So I think he's probably in Arizona getting a, getting a beer belly. So it's enjoying that part of his life. <laughs> you bet. Uh, you say Kikuchi, uh, you know, once a coveted pitcher here. I mean, I think that we thought yeah. higher, we had higher expectations of what he could turn into and just didn't materialize. And correct me if I'm wrong, guy. I think he's on the Blue Jays now. Yes. Um, Signed a three year deal. Yep. Another left handed pitcher, Tyler Anderson, is gone. Uh, outfielder Jake Fraley, probably the most notable other guy that has left the Mariners. Uh, outfielder Jake Bowers and right handed pitcher Justin Dunn. So Kyle Seeger, you know, big emotional loss. I think that, you know, that trade that Connor went into detail about with the Reds that we probably addressed that pretty well, but mm-hmm. did lose Kyle Seeger and then Kikuchi we've upgraded with a Cy Young winner. So not bad. I would, uh, yeah, I would take that in a heartbeat <laughs> again and again and again. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you say obviously was an all-star last year. I think he had a really, really good first half of the season, right? And then everything went to shit in the second half of the season for him. Um, and you saw a lot of the same um, habits come back from prior years that he's been underperforming. Um, you know, a lot of walks, a lot of, you know, middle, middle in the zone, missing middle, middle in the zone and getting hit hard. Um, and the biggest thing with him is that he just, he got into too many high ball counts that he was throwing a lot of pitches and couldn't get deep in games. So, um, that's, I think that's, that was the biggest disappointment of, of you say, and obviously Robbie Witt Ray reigning at AL Cy Young winner. I'll take that 11 Done. times out of 10. I'll take that so. trade for sure. Yeah. So mentioned departures, but Connor, you also went into detail how Kyle Lewis, hopefully we'll get him back pretty soon, but he's going to be out to start the season. So Sam, you know, you've been tracking these injuries pretty closely. Kyle Lewis is out. Who else do we have going on um, missing the start of the season? Yeah, I've been all over the injury report for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we also got our infielder, plays a lot of first base. Evan White, a young talent that we have, he's going to be out. He's rehabbing a sports hernia surgery that he had. And then uh, right-handed pitcher, Ken Giles, 
Ken Giles. Giles. Yep, that's correct. Ken Giles. Giles. He's got a he's got a pretty brutal finger injury, so he's shut down for that. <laughs> <laughs> really can't play through that one. Uh, and then we also have another right-handed pitcher. <laughs> My finger's pretty fucked up, guys. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> You're killing this segment right now, Sam. <laughs> who else do we have? Sorry. And then, uh, yeah. Last on the injury list uh, is right-handed pitcher Casey Sadler, and his shoulder has an owie, so he's out for the year. It's a bummer. Can you? Uh, can I circle back for a second? And Ken Giles, there. How did he injure his finger again? You know what? I can make something up that would also keep the giggles going on on the podcast here, but I honestly have no clue. I mean, I don't know either. I, just, I, th- you know, I think it might have been like a bullpen session. It's probably unsexy for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it's on his throwing hand, right? Come on. It's, yeah. Yes. If it's not. Yeah, it's the mitt finger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the catcher can walk the damn ball to the mound. Come on, Ken. Rub some dirt on it, damn it. It's a baseball. tendon injury in his middle finger of his throwing hand. Mm, that's an important finger when you're yeah. pitching. Correct. It's the la- typically the last one on the ball. So, right. Yeah. Tends pretty, to be the longest finger important. in the hand, usually. Well, and to expand a little bit, I mean, this sucks because, like... Connor missed it. <laughs> sorry, I, I totally did. I was No, you were getting into point. some thoughtful analysis. Sam and I are fucking around, so please continue. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's what our listeners appreciate more, though. So they're about to <laughs> tune out what I'm about to say, I'm sure. Um, we'll get back to your guys's uh tomfoolery in a second uh ken giles was someone that we acquired from the blue jays in 2020 um or after the 2020 season i think and he got tommy john surgery so like we knew he was going to be out for all of last year but we were really counting on him to fill a role in this bullpen and obviously i mean this doesn't sound like it's a season ending injury by any means but it obviously delays his debut as a mariner and uh, delays what we hope is a successful career as a Mariner. Um, and, you know, these types of things, I mean, I've, I've gone through these types of injuries with James, pa- James Paxton way too many times to expect anything from Ken Giles at this point <laughs> this year, um, that these things just kind of linger, you know, especially a tendon injury on your finger. So, and him being completely shut down from throwing for, you know, the foreseeable f- future, at least for a few weeks, I think they said, um, isn't a good sign of things to come. So definitely a blow to the bullpen, someone that we were probably relying upon to fill up, fill probably at least a setup role, if not possibly fill in for, for that closer role long-term. Um, and, you know, a proven, proven arm that, that obviously isn't going to be there for the bullpen to start the year. Yeah, I mean, that's such an important part of this organization, right? I mean, we had such good bullpen success that lifted up our terrible offense, as you mentioned earlier. And so if they don't perform at great levels and our offense doesn't move up considerably from 22nd in runs, then we could be in trouble like Vegas, I believe Sam said, predicted. So yeah, need them to perform. And And to build on that point, Justin, sorry, sorry, Sam. I just want to cut in real quick here, though, but like, you look at the team rankings for both offense and even starting pitching, like starting pitching is still bottom third of the league, bottom half of the league in most categories, you know, 19th in ERA walks hits per inning, 18th in the, in the, in the league, uh, case per nine, 
25th in the league, hits per nine, 21st in the league, home runs per nine, 22nd in the league. Like these are all, you know, bottom third of the league numbers for the most part. It's the relief pitching that really picked us up. And that, I mean, mm-hmm. that you look at the run differential last year, it all lends itself to saying that that relief pitching was really what was the key to the Mariners winning so many close ball games. They lost a lot of, you know, shit ball games. They lost by, you know, 15, 16 runs multiple times last year, but their relief pitchers were now, you know, eighth in ERA, fifth in walks hits per inning, third in walks per nine innings. Like, I mean, that's an outstanding stat right there is that they, they weren't putting guys on unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. And that was huge in late innings. So I just don't want your point to go unnoticed that that was, I mean, that's a huge part of this team. Um, And most of those guys are back this year, you know, and adding Ken Giles would have just strengthened that lineup. So that sucks. But most of those guys are back. Yeah. And the one thing that we should add, you know, talking about adds to the offseason, big name, obviously older at age 39. But with the Ken Giles injury, we brought in Sergio Romo, three-time World Mm. Series champion from the San Francisco Giants. He has kind of, you know, been a little bit of a journeyman since his World Series run with the Giants, but that's a proven veteran arm sure. in the bullpen that I think on a one-year deal, I think that's also, you know, a pretty sneaky addition that we had as well that could pay dividends while Ken Giles rehabs that middle finger. I hope you like 83-mile-per-hour fastballs. That's all I'll say. Hey, I like me some Jamie Moyer. It can be effective. Well, Connor, I mean, if you're into superstition, you know, the Giants won all those World Series in even years. And 2022 is an even year. And so coming back full circle here and just to use him to for the mojo, the Mariners mojo itself. I'll take anything at this point, man. I love it. It's been rough. It's been rough. Mariners have not had back-to-back winning seasons even since 2003. Really? That was nine. That's sad. I got to imagine we're going to have a winning season. You would think. I mean, I'd that's be, think. That's be floor pissed. expectation for this team right now. Yeah, if we were below 500, that I would just be like, God damn it, guys, it happened again. Yeah, I got your hopes <laughs> up just to be crushed again yeah. and again. Well, before we get into the roster breakdown more in depth, anything else from the offseason or the state of the organization you guys want to mention? I guess the one question I had, I was trying to Google it on the side. I know we obviously had the huge potential of the lockout and the CBA agreement and all that. Yeah. Um, are we still playing a full 162 game season? Yes. Okay. We are. They're going like... to play some double headers at some okay. point this season to account for those games that it's we missed. Play for, until I, December I, in Minnesota. Because I think we're just we're a week late, right? I think we were supposed to start last week, and now we're just starting this week. That's good because so. when the Mariners win the World Series, I don't want an asterisk next to it. So, no, yeah, it's a full <laughs> season. This counts. This counts. This is not 2020. Hey, I would take a 2020 World Series any day. No asterisk there. Dodgers took it, man. I mean, yeah, those fans loved it. I'd be down. All right. Well, Spanish let's get into- and everything. Let's get into the roster breakdown here and we're going to go in position by position. Connor, I think you'll lead this one, help us understand what the depth chart is, who's the leader um, going into the season and then who's filling in. And then, you know, as we get into outfielder, 
where's Kyle Lewis going to slot in? Is he going to slot in at DH? Is someone coming out and et cetera? So we'll get to that, but let's start at catcher. Who is the, who's the leader in the clubhouse for that? As in my opinion, one of the weaker positions on the roster. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you have, you have a veteran presence there with Tom Murphy um, for sure. And um, I think I'm not sure who's going to start opening day. It might be Tom Murphy, but for sure your catcher of the future in quotation marks right now is Cal Raleigh uh, really struggled last year in his rookie season uh, coming up. I think in like, I think he was, he was a late call up like August maybe last year um, and really never got going um, at the major league level. Um, he's at an okay spring. Um, I don't think he's gonna, I don't think it's quite clicked for him yet, but I'm hoping that it clicks at some point this year for him. And if he develops into the type of player that he's capable of developing into, you should be excited about that catching position for the future. But, um, and I really like his leadership. He's really, really good with the pitching staff too. Um, one of my favorite minor league videos from last year, from like the Mariners minor league Twitter account was a video clip of Cal Raleigh getting kicked out of a game um, after his, uh, this is down in triple uh, a Tacoma after one of the pitchers uh, throw into him, uh, obviously like threw a strike. It was like a strikeout pitch and the, the uh, umpire had called it a ball. And this was after like a few bad calls in a row and Cal just lost it on the dude and was protecting his guy out there. Um, got kicked out of the game, but like was totally standing up for his pitcher and, sh- and vocalizing his displeasure with the umpire. And um, obviously just, uh, you can tell by that, like he's just a, he's a vocal leader in the clubhouse might not be that at the MLB level, but like he definitely has that in him. And I think that's really important at that catching position, especially when you're working with so many pitchers. Um, so that's, that's the guy that I'm looking at to fill that role this year. But Tom Murphy is going to be that guy if Cal's not figuring it out, especially towards the beginning of the year. And Tom Murphy's honestly a vocal leader in this clubhouse too. Um, he's not really – he's a pretty inconsistent player, and he's probably a below-average catcher in this league. But he's not he's – not, it's not like he's not starting material. He can definitely start in this league. Um, but he, he has very limited upside, I would say. And then I have Luis Terenz on here because he's kind of – they rumored to be the third catcher that they're going to carry on this, on this roster. But I doubt he even really plays a game at catcher unless they have some injury bugs at catcher. Um, I don't think their plan for him is to play catcher. He'll probably fill in at DH and possibly some first base to relieve Ty France is my guess, mostly on this roster. So you have Ty France scheduled in there at first base, and I've seen a lot of Mm -hmm. different depth charts out there on the interwebs that, you know, have him at first and rightly so when Evan white gets healthy, if he does, where, uh, where does he figure figure in? I think that's when you possibly see Turin sent down. If they think that Evan white's bat is ready, which it hasn't been in the past. So, um, but his glove is amazing. Obviously like he's that's, that's always been his namesake. He was a gold glove winner back in 2020 in the shortened season for us. Um, and he makes some amazing plays, but Ty France, I mean, made some huge strides defensively last year. That was his biggest knock as a big leaguer was his defensive capabilities. And he never really like found a position I think that worked for him. 
And he finally switched to first base last year, mostly out of need because of Evan White's injury last year. And he made some huge strides defensively and honestly, like probably showed to be a above average defensive first baseman with, I mean, huge offensive numbers too. Like, I mean, definitely one of our more reliable hitters last year. So, um, I mean, Ty France is going to play first base for this team, probably 90% of the games, you know, um, and you'll see if it, with Evan White coming, he's a switch hitter. So like that'll help if you're facing a, uh, a righty or something like that every once in a while, give Ty an off day, but you want Ty's bat in the lineup 90% of those games, uh, so long as he's healthy. And I mean, Evan White might fill in, but they might honestly they might honestly value Luis Terenz's bat in the in and versatility as being a catcher first base and DH option for them over Evan White's just first base glove at that point. It's it's yeah. an interesting argument though. So I mean you you could start it you could start Evan White at first base and then DH Ty France or something like that. But um I don't think that's probably the um the most realistic option. Yeah, I mean Ty France figures to be a very important bat in this lineup considering we'll go through our predictions a little bit but two of the three <laughs> people on the pod have him as a very important bat in our lineup for sure i'd say the other second base shortstop third base the rest of the infield is probably self-explanatory about who's going to start yeah uh, those positions and adam frazier at second jp crawford and then eugenio suarez at third base uh, sam between of all the players in the infield which player excites you the most going into the season I don't, there's something about JP Crawford going into this season. And I know we kind of alluded to, you know, DePoto's, you know, vote of confidence to JP Crawford being the shortstop, but it just feels like he's become the heart of this team. And that there, maybe there's a little bit of a passing of the torch last year from Kyle Seeger to JP Crawford. So I'm excited for him um, to maybe take on more of a leadership role here. It's hard to not be excited though, about the two new additions in terms of, Frazier and Suarez I think that's really exciting but when I think about rounding out this infield the thing that's striking me as we're talking about the infield here is how deep it is like when was the last time you know I'm not going to pretend to be a Mariners geek it's just I've been beaten into submission by the last 21 years (laughs) but like I know the name of every single backup in our infield. And you look at the versatility that you have in someone like Connor talking about Luis Torrens being able to play catcher or first base or, you know, backups in the infield that we're looking at is someone like Abraham Toro or Dylan Moore, two Mm -hmm. pretty prominent pieces to last year's 91 team are not going to be starting. And so I think, you know, as we're in, in this era of baseball where you are having a lot of, you know, substitutions, game in, game out, swapping guys in and out of the rotation. It's just really nice to look at our infield and feel like there's depth there for the, and, and I mean, again, like I am not going to pretend to know the ins and outs, but this is the first time in a long time where I can look at the two deeps of the infield and really as an average, maybe slightly above average Mariners fan, I know who they are and I know what they can do. Feels pretty damn good. And so while I'm definitely thinking that JP Crawford can take that next step, both in terms of production in the stat sheet, but also as a leader in the clubhouse, I think it's just exciting that we have these multitude of pieces that 
we need to figure out how they fit together is, is probably the P the, you know, the part that I'm most excited about. Let's get into the outfield. Now, uh, Connor, we have Mitch Hanniger, Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kellenich probably as our opening day starters out there in the outfield. What do you see happening as the season goes on? Do you think those three hold it down? What happens when Kyle Lewis comes in? Give us your, mm -hmm. you know, your overall state of the outfield going in and then what's going to happen as the season progresses. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing that you have in this outfield is positional flexibility and mm -hmm. depth. Um, building off of Sam's point from the infield, it carries over to this outfield too. The fact that you acquired a Jesse Winker, like if, if one of the, your starting outfielders goes down, you can rotate guys like all three of those guys that are starting in the outfield right now with Hanniger, Julio and Jared Kelnick. All those guys have played center field before at this point. Julio obviously hasn't debuted in center center field at the big league level other than in spring training, but he's widely considered your starting center fielder at this point going into the season. Um, so if, if one of those guys goes down, one of those, any of those guys can switch into center field. Jesse Winker becomes your left fielder at that point. Um, and you have other players on the infield and outfield that can fill that DH role for Jesse Winker. And, you know, obviously that's, that's the biggest thing with building like a team like this is like that fourth outfield position is so vital fourth and even fifth outfielder. If you carry a fifth outfielder, depending on your DH situation, um, just because if one guy goes down, it's really nice to be able to just kind of switch guys in and not really have a huge change in your lineup as far as like the, um, potential of it, you know? So, I mean, those are Mitch Hanniger, Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelnick. I mean, that's, that should be your everyday outfield for the most part. I think you'll see Jesse Winker play some left field and uh, you'll see, I mean, Julio is probably not going to play like every day, especially kind of to start with. So you'll probably see Jared Kelnick switch over to center field or something like that. And, and Winker play a little bit of left field at that point, but those are probably your three best fielding outfielders um, at this point. And um, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with Kyle Lewis. Once he comes back, that's probably when you see the Billy Hamilton, Steve Sousa Jr. Experiment probably taper off um, assuming that um, everyone else is healthy in the outfield at that point. So that's kind of, I, I don't think it's going to impact any of those guys that like any of those four outfielders with that being Mitch Hanniger, Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelnick, Jesse Winker, Kyle Lewis coming back. Isn't going to affect those guys. I think it's going to affect if Billy Hamilton, Steven Sr. Steven Souza Jr. Have a future with the club after that, whether they're going to be DFA or put, put back into AAA at that point, they signed minor league deals. So I think they can, Technically, even if they're out of options, I think they can be demoted down to AAA without a penalty. A follow-up question there. I know you said it doesn't affect those four guys as like being a roster member on the Mariners, but does it affect their starting position? And if they're playing week in and week out, if Kyle Lewis plays? I, I, yeah, I mean, you got to see what Julio brings. You yeah. know, you got to see like how, how good he starts the season. Obviously, if he's struggling, then it does. It does affect that. If Kelnick's struggling out of the gate, it does affect that. But I mean, with with 
with Kyle Lewis's injury history, I don't know if he's really like an everyday center fielder for you at this point. You know, he just hit, he's had so many lower body injuries at this point that his knees, I don't know if they can take a full 162, which not a lot can, but you know, you know what I mean? A full mm-hmm. season out in the outfield. Um, I think he's going to have to DH a lot if you want his bat in the lineup. And that's probably going to be how he extends his career is if he becomes a, you know, reliable DH for you. And then where does Jesse Winker fit? But I mean, these are all good questions to have, you know, this is, this is the, this is the better side of things to be on. Um, I think we struggle with the opposite in the past when it comes to the Mariners, as far as not having the guys to fill a role or like trying to convince ourselves that, a Jake Fraley is actually starting material in, in a major league outfield, you know, or Ichiro um, that no, a Brad Miller is a, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. recent Ichiro, not, oh, not sure. yeah. 41 year old. Yeah. 41 year old Ichiro. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And like Brad Miller, like being a capable shortstop, Brad, you know, Miller. these, these are Dustin Ackley. Got him right where you want him, Brad. Now you've seen it, Brad. <laughs> now you've seen it, Brad. He went to the Rays and hit like 20-odd-something home runs, didn't he? Yeah, that was a joke. Classic Mariners yeah. trajectory. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I don't think he's going to have like a all-star laden career or anything like that. But yeah, good for him. Um, but you get my point, you know? Yeah. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, Sam, are you on the Julio Rodriguez hype train with me? Oh, yeah. I am Julio's the man. How can you not be? I mean, just for Connor's text alone, I think we should have like an anchor link and a subscribe to Connor's Julio tracking, and you'll get daily texts from Connor (laughs) about what the latest Julio Rodriguez prognosis is. We'll start a Discord, and people can just follow my text through there. I'll just I'll I'll post it all in there. We'll have like a Mariners insider. We'll charge $8 and Connor can host spaces. Okay, here we go. <laughs> different Mariners and Julio Rodriguez tidbits. Anyways, I digress. Yeah, I'm on the Julio bandwagon for sure. I want to see the young guys turn it on, whether it's Cal at catcher, Jared Kelnick, you know, bounce back season. He had a rough inaugural season for sure. Julio Rodriguez hopefully will fare a bit better than Jared did last year. But, you know, I do think it's going to be really interesting to see how this roster shapes up. But to Connor's point, it's a good place to be. These are good problems to have. And it's just like you have a lot of capable players and you look back at the most successful season or regular season for the Mariners in 2001 that was a team that was so there was not a ton of necessarily like net nationwide household names besides you're like, obviously Ichiro was a huge deal. Edgar was there, but like that team was really built by unknown or unheralded players having their best season. And I think what we have in this roster is a bunch of players that are capable and like, hopefully you can catch lightning in a bottle and get like, you know, maybe it's Abraham, Abraham Toro's, you know, peak season in his career. And he just comes on crazy and, you know, he might have that like Al Martin or Mark McLemore type season where they're that utility player that can play in the infield, fill in in the outfield, but their bat is just super hot. So I think that's the exciting thing. I mean, the, the young names are super exciting. 
but just having the depth and knowing that you can play the hot hand when the when their hands get hot get them in the get them in the Huge. rotation is just something that we haven't had in such a long time that I think will definitely pay dividends when inevitably some of these players go through their midseason slump or whatever it might be to be able to turn to somebody like a Kyle Lewis or a Jesse Winker in the outfield or in Dylan Moore, Abraham Toro in the infield is just like a great place for the Mariners to be, in my opinion. Julio Rodriguez born December 29th, 2000. Oh, geez. 2000. I was just, I was just telling somebody the other day that I feel like I've, when you're like filling out forms online and you have to put in your date and you have to like scroll to the year that you were born. I'm like, for the first, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm turning 30 in a couple days, but it's like getting back to 1992, I feel like I have to give it a big swipe to start the scroll to get to get to my birth year. I'm feeling old. Yeah, it's not going to get oh, any yeah. better for us either. It's the problem. No. Doesn't get 2000. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty crazy. And then before you know it, we're going to be twice as old as some of these athletes. Like we already are for soccer. I mean, we don't want to get to that, but they start yeah. young. Oh, I old. don't. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm excited about Julio. Okay. <laughs> yes. He's wearing number 44 too, right? Ooh, like that. I just think that's yeah. a spicy number. I love it. Little, little Mike Cameron action out there in center field. I really like it. Some of the best oh, yeah. center field robbing the home run catches you'll ever see. Mike Cameron. and Tori Hunter on the in that. I was gonna say I was Tori Hunter forty four. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes, it's a good center field number for sure. Uh, can I just like, uh oh, can I go off about Julio a little bit right now? Oh, yeah, let's do kind it. Of, yes. we've been like kind prodding of like, you, like yeah, yeah, you have the stage, you got the mic. Oh, were you were you hinting at it by just I mean, saying the whole like, eight the outfield Discord, position? How are you I mean. feeling about that? <laughs> Look, Julio Rodriguez is the most exciting talent the Mariners have had since Ken Griffey Jr. Ooh, there it is. I mean, I would maybe argue Ichiro. Maybe A Rod. Maybe A Rod. That's not no. That's different though. That's that's a, that's different. a proven talent from overseas. Well, or is any talent? He came over at like twenty six, twenty seven. No, I know. I, I guess the feeling because not many people knew about him though. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. The he die, is having the, he is the having diehard nine year old Connors knew about him, but not everyone else. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. I had studied so much, you know, Japanese baseball at that point that I knew all about Ichiro at Correct. the age of nine. Um, yeah, no, not quite, but I'm talking about talent that the organization has acquired at a young age and developed through their minor leagues. Most exciting talent. You could, you could argue a rod. You could argue a rod for sure. Um, but God, I mean, the guy, the, the things that this guy is capable of, my Lord. Yeah. Thanks guys. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it comes off of his bat different. I, I went to go see this guy last June when he was in Everett high a ball. I wish um, we should have gone. That was yeah, we were you texted to. us. We should have gone. And I told you guys, like, this guy's getting called up to double A, like, any day, any day. This is the chance to see him. He's going to Arkansas real soon. And it was like a week later, I think, that he got called up. Yeah. Um, so it was like mid, 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 maybe late June last year. Um, 
And this, I mean, this was one of his more unimpressive days. I think he was like one for four with a double. But that double, like it's, it comes off of his bat <laughs> different. And he just run like he, the way he runs, he's just so athletic. His Specimen. energy, his infectious ass attitude, like he, he just enjoys the game of baseball like the kid did. Like he reminds me a lot of Ken Griffey Jr., the smile that he has. Everything about him. I mean, the, the coolness factor of him, the way he moves, oh, yeah. his shades, like, like, like he's got like the cool reflection, like totally like seventies shades, like going on, like the early eighties like, retro shades, um, like techno shades going on. And he rocks those out there. Like he fills, he fills the part so well. And he is just, you can just tell he's ready for the moment. And Everyone asked me like that. I when I talk up Julio Rodriguez, well, it's like, well, yeah, but you saw how much Jared Kelnick struggled last year. They're different players, man. They are completely different players. Julio like is laid back, enjoys the game, like infectious, happy go, like lucky attitude. Jared is a very serious player. I think he's going to be a great major leaguer as well. But he's a perfectionist, like. And the minute that things went wrong for him last year, he had never struggled in his career before and didn't know how to deal with it. And he like that obviously compounded on itself. He started making even bigger mistakes and overcompensating for his mistakes on multiple levels in all facets of his game last year. And you start to finally see it start to click for him a little bit though in September. And I think, I think it's starting to kind of slow down for him. He worked with Mark McGuire this off season like so that. give me that. I think Roy that's Mark. Mm. Yeah, that's probably what he was mostly doing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so hopefully he doesn't, you know, show up any reports or anything like that this year. But I mean, I'll take the the dividends for it in the meantime. Um, but going back to Julio, dude, like I, he's just a different type of player, man. Like it, and just everything comes so easy to him. Like no doubt he's going to struggle at points like that. Like every MLB player does. And baseball is a game didn't. of failure. I mean, he didn't dude. <laughs> I don't think Julio will. I think Julio is going to come on strong. But like what I guess what I'm saying is like, you're going to have like a bad, like couple weeks or something though, that like that like, baseball is a game yeah, of failure. Sure. You're bound to have bad moments in baseball. It's just, you you bat 280 and you're considered a very good player in the MLB. Yeah. And you're only get a hit getting a hit 28% of the time. <laughs> uh it's just it's just a statement of fact and and statistics there. So I think I think he has the mindset to deal with that though. And I'm just like so fucking juiced for him. And the fact that like everyone is talking about him being your 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 starting center fielder. I think a huge part of that is Kyle Lewis's injury, but your starting center fielder. And I, I think he's going to, he's going to take that position. He's not going to look back. And you're talking about the guy, like, AL rookie of the year, very like probably odds on favorite right now. And again, just like it, the impact that he could have on this organization for years to come is Griffey laden. Like that, I cannot understate that enough. I know that that's like a huge, huge path. And like, I, I could be in two years talking about how he's like the biggest bust and biggest dis disappointment, but I just, I can't see that right now and can't fathom that with, with what I've seen in spring training this year 
with how I've seen his career go at this point and seeing him live in Everett last year. Just he's got it all. He's a five tool player, six tool player with the mentals. If you're talking that too. Do you think he has seven tools or just six? Yeah. He's probably got like a fourth dimension or something like that. So yeah, call it a seventh tool. <laughs> it's six cents. So a lot of times with these players, namely Chris Bryan on the Cubs or other players, we've seen highly coveted stars come in and not start right away because of basically contract or money related reasons. And Connor, as you were explaining to Sam and I before the show, they in this recent CBA they agreed to, they basically eliminated those clauses. So that's why we're seeing and we're talking more about Julio Rodriguez coming in unquestionably talk, taking over that center field role versus like, oh, he probably has to go play in Tacoma for X amount of weeks. Right. So that makes it even more exciting, right, Connor? Day one. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's literally Woo! no... There's, there is no upside to keeping him down in Tacoma at this point. Um, he's ready, man. He's, he's Scott service and Jerry DePoto both said at the beginning of spring training, we're going to let Julio decide like his play decide if he's going to make the team out of spring training and his play has decided that, I mean, he has far and away been the best player on that team throughout spring training and he's 20 years old, 20 one years old. What's the most memorable play in Seattle Mariners history? Mm. oh the double yeah of course yeah yeah what was so special about that it was griffey from first to home round and third putting on the jets his helmet flies off slides in dog pile i know listen the smile at the end underneath the smile the the vibe the energy the attitude julio rodriguez inside the park home run like yeah. Griffey comparisons come from moments like that. The guy hits yep. inside the park home run in spring training. He rounds third. He's hauling ass. He's moving so fast. His helmet flies off heading to home. He slides in there. And what does he do to cap off his inside the park home run? He gives the greatest non tiger woods, tiger woods fist pump I've seen in years. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, and he was fucking pumped up. The one thing that I didn't love about it was the rest of the team didn't seem to like get up to that level. I mean, he was fucking pumped. And so it's like, yeah, if he can bring some of that, I mean, just the electricity of that moment, if he can capture that and be able to put that on the MLB field. Oh man, I am buying what you're selling Connor. Well, and that's, that's what we've been missing from this organization for so long. Right. Like, I mean, you just, you look at the energy and like Jared Kelnick brings it in a way, like you can see him get fired up about stuff, especially when he's succeeding and stuff, but and he's an emotional player, but you look at like Julio, it, even when he hits a fucking double, like he's looking back at the bench and he's just like clapping, like beating his chest, just like fired up. And he was doing that in Everett last year. Okay. This is for a high A ball club in like, a meaningless game in June. And he's doing that. Like he brings that to every play, every play at appearance, every play in the field. And he's having fun doing it. Like he has fun with the game and we need more of that in the MLB these days. Like the baseball is a dying man's game at this point. um, Unless these young players can inject that kind of energy into the game for years to come. 
Yeah, I mean, we love players that are excited to play the game, and hopefully he stays that way. It doesn't go all Hollywood or doesn't have an agent that forces him to the Rockies or something. <laughs> oh, That'd <geez>. be terrible. <laughs> so we want him Russ. to stay. Russ, I mean, what are we talking about? Oh, I don't know yeah, who that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I just he's dead to us now, right? I don't yeah. know who that is. Yeah. Who? So I know we're running a little low on time, so we're gonna speed it up a little bit. I, we haven't talked about oh, we the are? pitching. <laughs> we haven't talked about the <laughs> pitching bad. rotation. Um, oh yeah. So we have Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert, Marco Gonzalez, Chris Flexen, and Matt Brash, as you pointed out earlier, Connor just named the fifth starter here. What are our overall impressions of this pitching rotation? Do we feel like it's strong enough going into the season to sustain? Do we think, hey, we might need to make a midseason acquisition to make sure we compete? How do we, how do Sam, you're, you're giving some head shakes and some nods. How are you feeling about this uh, rotation? I think this rotation is going to be legit. I think, I mean, you got the reigning Cy Young award winner, Robbie mm-hmm. Ray. You can't do any better than that. Logan Gilbert is one of the hottest young pitchers in the MLB. True. I mean, that's just like a super exciting one-two punch. Then Marco Gonzalez went into last year as our ace. He didn't have the year that he wanted, but you could expect a bounce back year from him. So I think your top three, you feel really good about. And then a little bit of a surprise the last year was Chris Flexen had a really good year. Huge. And so like him being your fourth pitcher is an exciting thing for sure. Then Matt Brash, I'm just starting to learn about. That was a new name that Connor put on our radar earlier this week. Mm -hmm. But, like, I've seen some clips of him pitching. He's got some nasty stuff, so you're excited about that. Then even beyond this starting five, like, I'm I'm happy with that starting five. But you think about potentially calling up someone like George Kirby and what he could add to this rotation. It's like, again, like, the depth here, you have Chris Flexen as your fourth person in the rotation. And then you don't even have George Kirby in the top five right now. I yep. feel, I feel damn good about that. And you're in a pitcher friendly stadium. Like I think I'm very pleased with that. Do you agree, Connor? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm like absolutely stoked about the rotation that that's one area that i feel like it wouldn't have been a bad idea to uh, for us to add a a mid-rotation starter um chris flexen is the guy in the rotation that i probably worry about most as far as having probably a digressing year i think last year was an anomaly uh, as far as his career goes as far like i mean if you're just looking at his career path so far yeah no doubt he could repeat that he definitely could he's definitely capable of doing that um and it seems like he's he's found a comfortable home in seattle and i think he i think he likes it here i think he likes t-mobile park and pitching there um and i mean he he had an amazing year last year but i could definitely see that regression happening this year if that does, then you see probably a George Kirby step in and like, it's nice to have some of those young talents that at least it's going to be exciting. Right. I mean, you have George Kirby who could, is that sixth guy probably right now going to start the year off of an, in Tacoma, obviously, but that guy can touch a hundred. I mean, how can you not yeah. love that in, in your starting rotation? Matt Brash. I mean, the biggest reason why he won that starting position and actually he's younger, younger than George Kirby. He's 23. Um, 
And I think he's someone that we acquired from the Padres uh, a few years ago as well. Um, in like a, in a deal that we like deal, we dealt like a reliever <laughs> for him. And I mean, this dude is going to be probably a th- three or two starter in his future. Um, his slider should be illegal in about, you know, 102 countries. So that's, I mean, that's, that's where that, that, that pitch is absolutely nasty and it's wipeout and he will get so many swings and misses on that. And you've seen it all spring training training. You've seen it throughout his career in the minors. Um, and I think, I think it's going to translate to the MLB as well. I don't think he's going to have a problem striking out major league pitching. Um, it's just going to be him learning how to pitch, you know? So, um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about the rotation. I'm not probably quite as pumped as, as Sam is or high on it as Sam is. I could definitely see a mid season acquisition. Uh, That's like one of the areas that I could see one is, is starting pitching possibly. Um, if, if some of these guys struggle, like I see that they possibly could, um, Marco obviously regressed a little bit last year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how he builds off of that. I like his attitude and what he brings to the game, but it's not like he has elite punch yeah. out stuff by any means. Um, he, he has to fine tune the zone. And if, if he can't get back to that, he's going to struggle. Logan Gilbert. Marco, I'm high on. Like, yeah, this, go year ahead. He's, this year he's not, he doesn't hold the pressure of being the guy. Either. That's for sure. Yeah. So I think yeah. that could do wonders for him from a mentality perspective. I had just anecdotally like the, the left, right, left, right order of the uh, Mariners rotation. So when we inevitably make the playoffs that we can just throw it based on the opponent and stack it for what their weaknesses are. So I like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you'll see a lot of playoff teams, which we probably don't, realize because we haven't been a playoff team in so long but in the playoffs a lot of a lot of teams go the four-man rotation you know they'll Mm -hmm. they'll go with their top four starters um so whoever you know whoever ends up being the best four out of these five guys could end up being those starters if we do indeed make the playoffs this year which mixed bag but i mean a lot of teams uh, a, a lot of reporters are high on the Mariners this year so, yeah, I've seen we'll them see. a lot of time. The Mariners, a lot of you know, wild card picks and sixth mm. and seventh, and right up there, definitely in the mix. I think the Houston Astros are probably the leading favorites to win the division, those bastards. But after that, <laughs> hopefully, the Mariners, you know, maybe we can learn to bang some trash cans in uh, T Mobile Park to read the signs. Maybe I'll, I'll bang my fuck you chicken on my grandstand seat. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, just a chicken on like drumstick. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. So we made some <laughs> predictions. Uh, wait. Oh, I jumped ahead. We forgot about relief pitchers, the most important uh, part of this team. We can breeze through this. Yes. Yeah. So, Connor, give us a couple names. Obviously, there are a lot of people in that relief pitcher huh? in the bullpen, but what are a couple names Mariners fans should keep an eye on that will make a big difference in the bullpen? Yeah. I mean, obviously again, losing Ken Giles sucks. Um, that's, that's who I was looking at filling possibly that long-term closer role or setup role for us. Paul Sewell did an awesome job as a closer last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, uh, Scott service has basically come out and said that they're, they're not really going to have a, a solidified closer, at least to start the year. Um, I think Seawald's probably the odds on favorite to probably fill that role, at least at, th- at this point. 
But you have a Diego Castillo who's closed games before. You have a Sergio Romo who's closed games before. You have even a Drew Steckenrider who's closed games for us before. Um, one of the guys that I'm really excited about, though, is Andres Munoz. And he was someone that we acquired, I think, also from the Padres. We traded a lot with the Padres. Um, let me just verify that here, though. Our spring quick. training partners in crime, the Padres. Yeah, really. Yeah, we share the same complex, right? Yeah, where's that Peoria? However you pronounce that, yeah, 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 Peoria. Nailed it. Um, yeah, Look at nice. Me. Uh, so yeah, we traded him in twenty. Or we traded for him in twenty twenty, in the same deal as Ty France, Taylor Trammell, and Luis Torrens. So we acquired all those guys for Austin Nola, Dan Altavilla, and Austin Adams. How much That's did we win that trade? Hmm, My God. Time. I mean, Trammell's another one of those outfielders, young outfielders that I mean. He could easily play a role if you see a lot of injuries um, mm-hmm. in the outfield. Hopefully, you don't see him because I think your your talent is probably in the in the majors at this point. But he's someone that obviously played for us at the beginning of last year, and he's starting the year in AAA now. Um, but this guy can throw like 101 <laughs> from from the left side, um, 102. So he he's, I mean, he's got some serious velocity behind his fastball. Um, and he's been out, I think with an injury for the past year, year and a half. So, uh, kind of similar to a Ken Giles story at that point. Um, and I'm excited about what he could bring to this rotation. I think they're probably going to start him off with like kind of middle relief work, but, um, he could end up being a setup guy. He could even end up being your closer. Uh, that's that's his upside if if he settles in nicely um so that's that's a guy that i have circled um and then justice sheffield is also an interesting name just his transition to the bullpen um he's kind of your long one of your main long relief guys obviously his name should sound familiar from the rotation starting rotation last year i was also very high on him last year and that flamed out um so he he's he's struggled as a starter, but I think he he filled in pretty well once he came back to the to the um, team in a relief role, and I think that's kind of where his home might be. Um, and he'll probably do a lot of middle relief work in like the sixth and seventh innings for you this year. Awesome, thanks for that. I almost forgot about the most important part of this team last year, so couldn't had to go back and cover that that's yeah good good catch man i mean <laughs> damn it i had to scroll to it see that's what happens when it's on the bottom of the spreadsheet you i know things out. i know that was probably my fault then no it's mine for not you know as a host looking at all the topics let's just you know, call a spade a spade um <laughs> we made some predictions here going into this episode and we did not collude and so we did th- six main categories, batting average, home runs, RBIs, steals, ERA, and strikeouts on who's going to lead the Mariners in all those categories, respectively. Have some agreements, have some disagreements. Um, starting with batting average, you guys both agree that Ty France is going to lead this team in batting average. Sam, why do you think, why did you pick Ty France to lead this team? Uh, because Connor did. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, Dude, I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> when it comes to predictions. Bad no, bet. I, I think Ty's been just one of the more reliable hitters on the team coming into the year. So I was battling between him and Mitch Hanniger, to be honest. And I don't know. There's just something about Ty France that he, I mean, Connor did a good job when we were talking about the first base rotation. And 
you know, Ty France is just going to be in a, you know, essential piece to this team, not necessarily because of his defensive abilities, but Connor obviously noted he's made some improvements there, but it's really his bat. And so I think there's really two bats on this team that you can really feel good about going into the year. And that's probably Hanniger and Ty France because they've done it multiple mm-hmm. years now. So I was kind of debating between those two and then knowing that Connor, you know, gave a vote of confidence to Ty France. I figured that was, you know, pushed me over the edge in Ty's favor. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that staff has to be one of the favorites to lead the batting average conversation. I went for a dark horse trying to be, trying to be sexy and cool. I don't think uh, it is. I don't think it is. By picking Adam Frazier, our second baseman and, Looking at his last year's stats, he batted a combined 305 over the two teams that he played with. Um, 2020 was a bad year, but um, that was also a shortened season. But in a full 2019 and 2018, he hit 277 and 278, respectively. Um, has the ability to hit the ball consistently and get on base. And, you know, you can probably count on him on having a 270, 280, 290, 300, somewhere in that range. And so I'm yep. um, banking on for some reason him coming into T-Mobile park and hitting it well, like no hitter does. <laughs> uh, so we'll see, but I do like him. I think he's going to hit probably near the top of the order, right, Connor. And so he'll, he'll probably, be, chance for, he'll to probably have, be your lead off hitter. Yeah. So lead off hitter, have a chance to get on base and a lot of hits and see the most at bat. So. Yeah. I really like that pick too. Honestly, that was that like, I was debating between Ty France and Adam Frazier. Those are probably your one, two in the lineup. So it's a really good pick. I like it going to home runs. Now we all have picked a different person here. So watch us all be wrong. And you know, Julio <laughs> Rodriguez lead the, lead the charge, but Connor, you went up with uh, you. Hey, I'd be Su- all for it. Yeah. I mean, you were just banging <laughs> the drum. Uh, Eugenio Suarez to lead. Uh, why do you think he's going to take over? I mean, he just has the most pure power on, on the team and he's hit the most home runs in a season on the team mm-hmm. um with that that 49 in in 2019 um and you know i'm all about you guys will learn this but in all his press conferences he signs off you know russell wilson has famous sign off with go hawks and now he's got he's got let's ride let's ride let's yeah. Less ride yeah yeah that's weird um anyway eugenio suarez signs off by flexing and saying good vibes only. All right, guys, good vibes only. <laughs> so, I mean, you talk about an infectious attitude. This guy is so fun. And I, I don't think we've talked about him enough on this on this podcast yet today. Um, and I like I mean, he obviously has struggled with average, but he hit the power's always been there. Um, and he's had really good seasons uh, with average. I mean, he's an all star in 2018 when he batted. Uh, what do I have here? Uh, batted 283. Um, and had 34 bombs that year. And then he followed it up in 2019. I don't think he was an all-star. So I don't know who was an all-star for the NL at third base, but he batted 271 and had 49 bombs and 103 RBIs. Um, that's the upside that you have. And obviously, I mean, he struggled last year with average at 198, but he still had 31 home runs last year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's going to have 30 plus. I mean, you pretty much can bank on that at this point. That's definitely going to be near the top of the team but he has the capability of like possibly 50 home runs and that shorter porch is in left field now. Um, and when he hits home runs, he hit, he hits bombs. Like they're like 420 plus pretty much every time. So I like his power. 
I don't know if he'll hit for average this year, but you can always use a big bat like that in the middle of your lineup. Sam, you went with Jared Kelenic, and Connor went on a soliloquy where he was hating on his mentals and chickens. So why do you think Kelenic is going to hit the most home runs on this team? Because his fuck you chickens are going to be in this stadium this year. That's why. <laughs> no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go all math on us into to Connor's point. Oh Jesus! Oh, we're going to break out this stone cold analytics, right? Oh yeah. So left field is at 331 feet. Center field's at 401, and right field is at 326 feet. The two people that you've picked hit righty. It's easier to hit a home run if you pull. And Safeco Field, oh shit. T-Mobile Park is at there. It goes. That's one. <laughs> That's just one. I'm. I was just telling myself you how good well. of a job I've done on this episode, and then I just slipped up. T-Mobile well. Park is at 17 feet elevation, so it's the marine layer. Home runs Ooh. don't come well. You know, there's it's a pitcher's park, and I think for that, I'm giving a tip of cap that you know the extra four, five, six feet there in right field is going to be the difference here. Jared Kelnick batting from the left side of the batter's box. Oh my God. Is going to be able to just pull those suckers into left field or right field all day. And so I'm, I'm giving a tip of the cap to Jared Kelnick to hit, hit the most dingers. Well said. He's not even your best left-hand bat, but okay. Who's your best left-hand bat? Probably Winker. But Winker might not Winker's probably not gonna play as much as Kellenick. Maybe. He'll DH like any time that he's not playing left field. Listen, right. I didn't totally shit on your pick, Connor. And by the way, the DH is uh for Listen, both leagues now. We so know we all get it. We all get it. You hate Jared Kellenick and he's mm-hmm. I don't hate Jared Kellenick. He, he hated on I the heard mentals. You say it. Yeah. Well, we just hope that Kellenick is as good as Ackley was. You guys are saying that I hate Jared Kelnick as much as I hated Russell Wilson. No, 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 no. That's no, what no, it sounds no. like to me. No, 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 no. Nowhere close. Let's be real. <laughs> um, so I had Mitch Hanniger in here, and just real quick, I mean, after replaying and re-watching in my brain Connor's 20-minute monologue on Julio Rodriguez, I think I am converted. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. My bad. No, see, this is perfect, though, because now I'm picking Julio Rodriguez to lead the team in home runs. He's just going to come in here and light, light it off. 45 home Are runs. Are you? Done. Yep, done. Switched. It's in the spreadsheet. It's yeah, official. I've seen it switch yet. Connor came oh, in. Oh, you have. Oh, yeah, like, you're right. Justin, Justin, let me tell you about our Lord and Savior, Julio Rodriguez. I know. He's <laughs> descended from the gods. I didn't go that far. <laughs> I didn't go that far. I'm not going to worship His smile guy, alone but... will hit 20 home runs, I think. Yeah. That's what you said. Those glasses is good for another 15. <laughs> I'll certainly pray, pray for the dude. He'll be in my prayers. All right. Going into RBIs now, uh, we all picked Mitch Hanniger and probably for obvious reason, he's in a good spot in the lineup. We've seen him do it time and time and again for this team. And we, we need him to do it this year because where were we, Connor, 22nd in runs last year? We need a lot more runs. So Mitch Hanniger Correct. needs to step up. We need 100 plus from Hanniger. Oh, yeah need we probably need 100 plus from two of the guys in the lineup whether it's three four four or five mm-hmm. wherever that comes so, we need it yeah 
Uh, going down to steals, Sam and I have Speedy Gonzalez, JB Crawford. I mean, if they actually let him steal, what did he have, like three steals last year? I mean, they didn't actually send him for whatever God knows what reason. So no. could it could be JP not calling his number too. Could be, but you have the Lord and mighty Julio Rodriguez. Tell us why he's the fastest thing since Usain Bolt. Because I had to have Julio leading the team in some stat. I mean... It could Julio is also very, very, he's also very, very aggressive on the base pass. Like you will learn that as well. He doesn't give a shit. He'll look at the, he did a fucking in the park home run, dude. Like, I mean, the dude has wheels. Yeah. He doesn't even look like he's going fast, but he's fast as hell. He's like what? Six, three or six, two, something like that. He is an athlete. Yes. (laughs) Julio Rodriguez is the best thing ever. God, <laughs> that was Connor, by the way. Pretty much what Connor sends to us every morning. <laughs> oh God! Just wait for the on. next one, man. Yeah, see what he does go, tomorrow. Let's see. Let's go to pitchers now because I didn't know what that sound was. Um, it was Jabba the Hut, supposedly. Oh, huh. Okay, I gotta remember uh, that part. Was that first or second episode? Of what? What are we talking? What? Of what? Doesn't he do that? No, I'm getting confused. It's the, it's the, it's like. Oh the, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's the king of uh, Jar Jar Binks's like underground yeah, 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 colony. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That was that was good. Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, that's quote verbatim. Yep. <laughs> that's what he says. <laughs> go back and going off the rails. <laughs> ERA, Sam and I both smartly have Robbie Ray, I think, coming in, yeah. the reigning Cy Whoa. Young winner, coming in to dominate T-Mobile Park, a pitcher's park, right, Sam? Oh, uh, yeah. Left-handed pitchers have had success here. And so, Connor, why the hell Logan Gilbert? What are we doing? Because we're not talking about the 2021 AL Cy Young award winner. We're, we're talking, talking about, about the 2022 the AL words, Cy Young award winner. In the Whoa. words of Mike Leach. That was 2021. That don't make a shit anymore. <laughs> Correct. Oh, yeah, that. Julio no. <laughs> Rodriguez. Drinking too much pirate. Uh, and Logan punch. Gilbert. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm very high on Logan Gilbert. Um, I think he started to figure out some stuff late in the year last year. I think he was probably your best pitcher in late August into September last year. Um, and I think he builds off that and he's got an array of pitches, uh, that he can strike out guys with. Um, he started to learn how to get deeper into games as well. And I think it's going to click for him this year. He's just, he, he has all the tools to be an ace. Um, how many, and tools? I mean, he's got four or five pitches, so mm, it's a lot of tools. Yeah. That's, that's a tool belt's worth of tools. I would say, um, I'm high on Gilbert. I think he's going to do well this year. And I mean, I, that's not a knock on Robbie Ray at all. I think, I think it just means that I have that much faith in Logan Gilbert, Gilbert taking that next step and developing this year into that ACE category of pitcher. For all those same reasons that you just mentioned or why I picked him to lead the team in strikeouts. I think he's going to come in with all mm-hmm. those five tools and strike out a bunch of people, but I think he could struggle in some games, giving up some runs as he settles in. So I think Robbie Ray is going to come in okay. day one and just shut it down. Whereas Logan Gilbert, I think there's going to be some adjustment period and, you know, finding his feet a little bit where he can 
figure out all how to use all his tools. Look, I mean, Robbie Ray is the opening day starter for a reason. He's your he is well, your ace Cy Young on the staff right so. now, and he's yeah. a Cy Young winner. Like, um, <laughs> I will I will say if you guys are watching the first game with Robbie Ray pitching, turn your TVs up a little bit whenever he's pitching. He grunts every time he pitches, oh, like a little Maria Sharapova action. No, he's it's more a deeper like, grunt than that. He's but more yes. like Serena Williams. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of power behind that grunt. Um, and yeah, I mean, I it's a little dramatic, I will say, but um, it's obviously worked for him in the past, and I'm all for it if it if it's working for him and if he's he's pitching to the same caliber that he was last year with with the Blue Jays. All right, well, that's the prediction. Do we have record predictions? Are we going to predict a record for this team? We can predict a record, yeah. All right, so off the cuff, we didn't write this down. Sam, what's your record prediction for the 2022 Seattle Mariners? 92 and 70 AL West champs. Whoa. Boom. Heard it here. With 92 wins. That'd be a a competitive division for sure. It would be. It could be. I think it's for sure going to be a competitive division between the Astros, the Angels, and the M's. So wait, Honor. ninety. What what'd you have? Ninety two and what? Ninety two and seventy. Seventy. And, oh, and an that. AL West championship is what I heard. I did add that for mm. some flair. It's fair. Connor. Um. Ninety eight and sixty four. Ho 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 ho! I like that. Absolute AL. Absolute AL West champs. By like four games. Mm. Well, I I should have gone first to have you guys go after me, but <laughs> here we are. Um, we're Seventy-one gonna go, and we're gonna go eighty-six and seventy-six and miss the wild card by two games. Womp womp womp. Leave it to Justin to just. I know. You know geez, bring this great podcast to its knees. <laughs> Why do you have to bring us back down to earth, man? Like. I'm supposed to be the realist of the group. I mean, you edit the podcast. I mean, you can just switch it all around, and then you can have the Julio Rodriguez play in the open I'll, and the close I'll dub, of the podcast. I'll dub over yours. I'll dub <laughs> over yours. 162 and 0. Yeah. <laughs> what he meant to say is, I have I have us going 162 and 0. Man, something like that. Imagine. You think if a MLB you can't win them all team... without winning the first. I think if an MLB team played in like the college ranks, they could go 162 and 0. Like probably not, right? In baseball, no. no. Baseball's too man. much of a game of luck. MLB pitchers like versus fo- college pitchers in, is... in football. It's it's win every time. Basketball, it's a win every time. Soccer, 162 any... games is a fucking lot of games. A lot of dude. games. Like it's a lot of games. But I feel like there's. A bigger difference in talent between the MLB and college than oh, any other absolutely. Because you have like triple A, double A, single A. Yeah, there's a whole minor league system. Yeah, it's hard. They probably like neutralize out. You know, the length of the season definitely comes into effect here. But I think the talent gap, like the pitchers in the MLB, are. I mean, those college kids are going to be whiffing. Mm. I wonder if the college sure, kids it. get to use the metal bats though. Okay. Yep. That's a that's another variable mm-hmm. that we should we should consider. You would have to think just like on luck alone, the 
the college yeah. kids win four games, five games, you yeah. know. Yeah. Needless to say, Just, it would be a massacre, but probably not once 162 and 0. Right. Yeah. So I'm predicting the Mariners to go 157 and 5. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rest of the Julio rest of Rodriguez starters. is going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread and he's going to hit 500 this year. That would all be right, well, that's all we have for the pod today. <laughs> Connor, Sam, anything else before we sign off that you want to alert the listeners about the Mariners? Thank you for hosting tonight, Justin. I appreciate it. Yeah. You were great. It's all I could do, you know. If the roles no, were you... reversed, I'd just be, you know, I'd be making up Ken Giles' finger injury. <laughs> I feel Look like what I do a on a daily basis on this, on this podcast. I just make up shit as the host. Not bad. Oh, but in non uh, non Mariners news, the USMNT qualified for the World Cup. I will say that. Oh yeah, they did. Closing. You bet. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, and we're excited about that. In a group with the with the England, the England uh, three lions, as they call them. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. big rivalry, as you know, England and the U.S. used to be. Well, I don't know what I'm trying to say. They used to be massive rivals. They were in a group in 2010 together, and the U.S. actually won that group. So. Interesting times there with with or with Iran and then one of Ukraine, Scotland, or Wales. So we'll figure out that last team in June. Do you guys feel good about that group? I do. I do. Yeah. I think it'll be US I think, and England. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you, you'd have to bet that. I think if it's Wales always has some talent. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're, they're a team. Yeah. yeah. They're they're a team that you they're similar to like a Portugal, like back in like 2014 that you like have to worry about, but you, but you can't advance. Um, they're probably not quite as talented as Portugal, <laughs> like now. No. Yeah. Um, that, that 2014 group was a better group. I mean, Germany, Ghana. Um, that was a good, t- that was a good group. That was a, that great was a tough group. group. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, it's a favorable, it's a favorable draw. I think, I think we should advance out of that. I mean, Iran's group. tricky and, you know, Ukraine would be a great story, obviously, um, getting right. out. And then Scotland is a big rival of England, and so is Wales. So I think there could be some interesting sure. matchups there, but you'd have to think U.S. is second favorite in that group. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I just think the timing of it, too, with pool play coming around Thanksgiving break, it's just going to be such a fun time. Although the oh, timing yeah. of that, that is the Apple Cup. UW. We play England on the same Saturday, day, or is it no? It's Saturday. Apple Cup Saturday, so it's the day before. Yeah. So we have Thanksgiving Friday. Football. We have England and U.S. on Black Friday, and then yes. Apple Cup on Saturday. I will be so who's, to the TV. Who's yeah. whose house are we spending the night at all weekend? I don't know. Well, I my mean, house is going to be torn your, in shambles, so it's your not house be is shambles, just, Connor. What's going on with your house? You're probably, I mean, you have a new baby. You probably well, I'm can't gonna, get there. I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll leave the baby at home. Uh, Justin, let's come down, dude. I, yeah. I, like you got a new house to break in. Breaking the new uh, house. Yeah, breaking news. Yeah, I have a house on the pod. So yeah, I think oh, yeah. that we're gonna have to figure out some sort of nice TV arrangement. We're gonna have mm-hmm. to get the England USA. I think it's at 11 a.m. Pacific time, so it's a really favorable time. Uh, for us because like the game start at 2 a.m pacific time for the yeah. Qatar world cup oh, yeah. so it's gonna be a busy time husky football um world cup and nfl oh that's yeah. a lot of sports that are gonna be happening every day it's gonna be a wonderful weekend and just it like holiday period in general yeah 
It's gonna be great. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for listening, folks. I'm gonna wrap this up. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already, and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. If you want to follow Connor's uh, Discord Julio Rodriguez rants, you can reach out and we can set that up for you. Until next time. Oh, Mariners, Julio Rodriguez is in the next King Griffey Jr. <laughs>